This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 331. And the quote of the day is from Michael Hyatt, who said, never limit your vision based on your current resources. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What is up, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Hope all is cool with you, and things are things are going well. Things are rocking and rolling, and as we're getting towards the end of the year, I've got like all these interviews lined up, and and 2008 is gonna is gonna come out swinging. I'm super super pumped for some stuff going down in 2018. And what makes these great things possible is great partnerships, like the one that we have with Musicians Institute. They are located in the heart of Hollywood, California. They've been there since the 70s. And I encourage you to check them out. If you want to take your playing to the next level, you want to learn more about music business, you want to learn from guys who have been there, done that, working active pros who are in there teaching you the ways of the music world, well worth checking them out. You can learn more about them and their great curriculum by going to mi.edu. All right, now let's get into this conversation with my guest today, Andre Boyd, a.k.a. Dre Energy. And this is an amazing conversation that we have. And the story that he tells about how he went from sleeping in an airport in New York City to getting the full-time gig playing with Cirque du Soleil is absolutely inspiring it's motivational, and it is just a, a, an awesome story to hear. And he has gone on to be one of the greatest drummers in the world, and he does clinics all over the world and has just a ton of knowledge, has a ton of insight, uh, and he's super transparent. He talks about some failures. He talks about how he was ill-prepared for things and, and almost cost him the gig, and just a very, very open and honest conversation from a dude who is out there just crushing it. So without further ado, I want to get into this great conversation with the one and only Dre Energy. Dre, how are you, man? Thank you so much for uh, for being part of the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, 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 I'm honored to be a part of this prestigious podcast with so many different greats that you guys have had on, so I'm really glad to be a part. Well, we wanted to we wanted to add you to the list as well. So, well, I appreciate that, man. I gotta say, I've been I've been watch I've been prepping uh, for the interview a lot and watching a lot of your videos and yeah. just man, just your playing is is for lack of a better word, it's uh it's amazing. And it. but it didn't start like that. And you know, I I was I put this post out today about it takes. It takes 3,650 days, which is 10 years, you know, to become an overnight success. So I know for you, you know, it didn't, it didn't start for you yesterday. So where did it start for you? How'd you get into playing? Well, I, I got into playing um, when I was two years old. As a matter of fact, uh, my older brother, Dwayne, is a professional drummer as well. and Lived in New York and played with a lot of different people. And uh, how much older uh, than he is? Uh, he's seven years older than I am. Okay. And so if you go to the Vic Firth website, his name is Undermine. So I got you. <laughs> so, but no, we, you know, um, we, we kind of did that and grew up in church and, and, and playing and playing. And, you know, I kind of watched him. I was the thing that the, the greatest, the greatest tool that I was, I was ever blessed with 
is being able to see something once and to play it like right off. Really? Like I, yeah, that's, that's even till this day, I don't care how crazy the technique is. If I can visually see it, I can play it. I can hmm. do it. So it's like Instantly. a photographic memory. I have, I have a 100% photographic memory. I can remember all kind of numbers. It's crazy. I can remember 30 numbers. <laughs> like with really? no problem man i have a, i have a crazy photographic memory that's nuts i mean i can remember you know like where i was sitting when someone told me something or like where i was walking on the road but not to the level i mean i have, I have a slightly photographic memory but not like that at all by any means man i can remember numbers and like i i remember when i was uh going to uh the math tutor and you know we would we would like do the homework kind of like in class and so i would go to the math tutor and be like oh yeah it's 153.6 like how did you know that you know <laughs> i'm like you know i just it's just it's just one of those things that i'm i'm really really glad to have had uh, does that make you with. good at math i suck at math really really i suck at math man i suck at math but i'm great with numbers huh interesting yeah I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it like that, but that makes sense because I'm really good at numbers. I'm horrible at math. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I do. I'm like really good with numbers. I can do quick math, quick, right? Like with no problem. But I, I suck. I suck at math. I suck at algebra and geometry. All of that. I suck at that, man. Hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you think that has played into your playing? Um. Well, because at this point now, uh. Especially, you know, when you when you're playing in a situation where <clears throat> nothing is charted out and you have to kind of rely on your memory to uh, do what it is that you do. Um, it's helped me. It's 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 actually a benefit to me um, as well as as well as it kind of keep me on my toes in other areas of my life, being able to just kind of stay on top of things. I, I, I don't know which way I could put it better than that, but being that, being that I have a great memory or I, I have to rely on uh, my memory, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it allows me to be a better driver. Sure. Because I'm more alert mm -hmm. for certain things. So, yeah, so it's, it just all depends on that. So it's, for me, it's a great thing. It's a great tool, like I said, to have. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So go. I want to go back to you uh, playing in church and learning things just by looking at them. Mm -hmm. um, was that was well? First of all, were you thinking, well, this is normal, like everybody can do this? Uh, and and how much of that were you were you sort of acting as a sponge and just saying, oh, I can just I'm just going to stand here and watch everything that's going on and just figure it out and just figure it out and figure it out. Well, you know, there was some situations where, uh, like. You know, I would I would have my chance to play in church, uh, and uh, I would play all the stuff that my brother played the past week. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you like, man. What are you doing? And I would just play all the stuff that he played the past week. You know, and I was able to just kind of get it. And um, it was just, it was just, it was just an amazing, an amazing thing, man. It was an amazing thing, and so, I, I was I was able to kind of get it early. I got to ask you this though. So if you if you saw something, you you could figure out how to play it, but you couldn't play it right away, right? No, I could play it right away. So you already had like the coordination to play it. I had the coordination to play it. Like there was an there was That's an insane. instance where Gerald Hayward came 
to uh, my my I'm I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So he came to St. Louis, Missouri back in the day, like 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 eight late eighties, early nineties, with a uh, with a uh, gospel group, Hezekiah Walker and Love Fellowship. And there was a lick that he was doing and just constantly doing, constantly doing. And so my brother was trying to get it and other drummers in the city was trying to get it. And I learned it literally in the kitchen, sitting on the sitting, basically sitting on the kitchen, the kitchen um, uh, uh, chair, kitchen chair and my foot. And literally I I learned it like that, playing it like that. I, I looked at everything he was doing. I remembered how he coordinated it, and I was able to play it like right off. That's not, and how old were you? Um, I think I was about six or seven years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was early. And your brother is upset. <laughs> yeah, because he, you know, they were still trying to figure it out. Right. But I right. had it. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah, I had it. <laughs> That's insane. So you're so coming up through. Um, Coming up through church, were you just playing in church? Were you playing music outside of there? When did you really start start playing like on a full time basis? Well, eventually I started playing out and started doing um, secular stuff. Um, so I, I would say probably when I was about seventeen years old, I started kind of doing club gigs. I was still in high school, right? And right. I was, uh, you know, playing late. And uh, at that time, you know, my mom was really, really, really against that. You know, was she of, about the late the late night playing or the fact that you were playing secular music? The both? fact that I was playing secular music. Yeah. And so, you know, it was it was it was something I was really, really trying to hide and and trying to do my best and not trying to expose that I was actually doing that. But it was so much fun. And uh, but the, the thing is, it really kind of set the stage for where I am now. Mm-hmm. And in the sense that. You know, I tell people this all the time, and it's not something I'm, I'm ashamed of. I didn't go to college. Right. But I went to college a different way. I went to life college. So in St. Louis, I played every gig. Before before I left to go out, uh, out, uh, out on tour full time, I played every kind of gig there was. Whether it was swing, whether it was rock, whether it was fusion, hip-hop, R&B blues i did it i did it all man i mm-hmm. did it all for years i did that for at least for about at least for about 12 years man that's what i was doing right and that's how i was making my living and so um it just kind of helped me it mm-hmm. just kind of helped me and and it, it set me up for greater things doing wonderful things and you know around the world and being able to teach around the world with with these experiences man well, it's also, you know, if you were going to go to school, I would imagine that, or you know, if you were going to go to college, I would imagine that you would have studied some sort of music performance or something like that. So, you know, why not just get baptism by fire and go out and, and learn by doing it uh, versus learning it in school, then going out and then having to do it. And it's it's sort of, it's shortening the process if you're able to do that, you know, at if at that age, yeah. if you're able to actually go and gig, I think some right. people need still need development. You know, still yeah. some people need to go uh, yeah. need to go to school, need to learn some more things, need to get exposed to some different styles and things like yeah, that. Yeah, man, yeah, it's is is very is very important. You know, the the paper is wonderful to say that hey, I have a degree to do this, but man, if you've never really got in hands on doing this stuff, like 
really, you know, you you've never got cussed out by a singer because you overplayed or you played a little bit too loud. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really know how to react in those situations. Yep. Yep. I, no. uh, I just posted a, a episode last Friday about getting, having a mentor, getting a mentor. And right. one of the guys I played with Johnny DeFrancesco, uh, wow. he's Joey DeFrancesco's brother. Uh, wow. I, I like grew up listening to those, to those guys. They're, they're basically from my hometown. And, uh, okay. so I started playing with Johnny when I was, uh, I don't know, like my mid twenties or something like that. And okay. man, that is like college. You know, yeah. when he yeah. he's turning around, and he's yelling and screaming. He's like, "What? What are you doing? You can't right. play like that." And right. I said, "What? I do that. That's how I play with my band." He was like, "Well, that oh, he was no. like this ain't your band. That's not how you play." <laughs> no, no, like, oh, and it, and oh okay. it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. It's not in 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 a nutshell. It's not gonna work. So we got to do something else. But for me, that that's 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 how I develop, man. Mm-hmm. I develop in that. In that sense, you know, and I, I think you I, learn so much faster that way. Oh, you learn so much faster, but it's those it's those life lessons, it's those bought lessons that are the most low, uh, long lasting lessons. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I I uh, I usually try to just kind of re- uh, revert back to those that I learned, and you know, some some were great, some were horrible, but they were great lessons to learn musically. What are some of those life lessons that you learned that really? That, that have really stuck with you over the years? Well, one lesson that I learned, um, uh, I was I was playing a, a gig with a friend of mine, uh, Tony Simmons, who was rest in peace. And we were playing uh, a jazz gig. And the jazz singer says, well, he said, oh, hey, man, you know, you know, you're not, you, you probably won't use sticks on this gig at all. So, you know, be ready for them. He's like, I'm like, I won't use sticks. I'm like, I'm not prepared for that. I left my, I left my uh, brushes at home. <laughs> and so the jazz singer said, oh, my God. She's like, you never do that. You know, that's like a doctor saying he left his medical bag at home. Right. You know, bring, bring, you know, you never know what particular situation. <laughs> right. Because you never know what the room is entailed. Sure. So you have to be able to be ready to um, play the room play play the room play the artist at all times so that's 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 definitely one of the greatest life lessons that i've i've, I've uh, learned and i and i as to this day i travel with brushes no matter where i no matter where i am no matter what i'm doing brushes are always with me mm, preparation man yeah man so yeah. you you mentioned you're playing all these styles you're playing jazz you're playing blues you're playing rock you're playing everything were you mm-hmm. were you studying all these styles with someone, or were you just learning them on your own? Did you how, how did you develop all of that to know that you're playing these styles authentically and playing them correctly? Uh, television, uh, CDs, um, you know, I had a whole database of stuff. You know, whether it was uh, Chick Corea, whether it was Bobby Blue Bland, whether it was um, you know, I, I just had a database. And I was the kind of guy back in the day when I was coming up, I was at home uh, videotaping everything that came on television. Mm-hmm. And I would really kind of just kind of mimic that or play along to a lot of that stuff in order to try to get somewhere near the authenticity of playing those that particular style of music. You know, so I it, it was it was definitely still for me sponging, right. you know, even later on in the game, I was still sponging, man, and uh, really just trying to ent- inhale everything i could yeah let let me ask you this about that 
and and uh-huh. the way that that it's changed now. So, because mm-hmm. I, I think you and I are probably around the same age. I'm guessing I'm 36. Uh, how old are you? I'm 35. 35. Okay. 35. I thought. Yeah, I thought yeah. we were around the same age. So, <laughs> yeah. So when we were coming up, we mm-hmm. if we got a CD or if we got a a VHS tape. For those of you who don't know what a VHS tape is, it's just the thing <laughs> that goes inside of a VCR, which you don't know right. what VCR is either. Um, right. So, you know, we got a CD or we got a VHS tape and we got one. We got the CD one. or we got the right. VHS or we recorded something off a of television. And that was the right. thing. That was all we had. So we had to. Period. Yeah. So we were and you you had to study it and learn it and get inside of it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Because you had to, but you were like, there's nothing really else to learn. Man. Now, Man. with YouTube, you click on a video, you watch it for 15 seconds, you go to the next thing, you go to the next thing. Right. I'm curious what your thoughts are on what that does for learning now. Well, I, I think I, I think of it in two ways. I think that it's it's a wonderful tool to learn and have. But I will, I will also say... Uh, uh, the people, you know, more so the U.S. and Europe and, and some different parts of the world are blessed to have it. But uh, in China, they don't have that option. They don't have the option of going to YouTube and just learning. They don't have that. So uh, it's a wonderful tool to have. And it's, it's a wonderful thing and like to be able to just click and just say, OK, you know, and, and for us, you know, it, it was you know, if we want to know about a particular rudiment or something like that, you know, you can you can kind of read up on it or, you know, you have to kind of search it out or, or a particular drummer. You know, you have to kind of search it out in like an encyclopedia type thing, whereas you can just put this name in his database and a billion things comes up. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's amazing. But I will also say the hunger level for learning styles is not as prominent now as it was then, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. It does, it's not, as, it's not, it's not, it's not a thing. Everybody just want to learn what, what the, the, the latest fad is, is playing fast and, 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 you know, playing all the three over two triplets, all of that stuff is cool. But at the end of the day, a lot of those crazy chops will not pay you. Right. That it will, you won't get paid for, how many chops you're able to learn or how many sheds you're able to be the top guy. Nobody cares about that. Mm-hmm. And you can play all that stuff, you personally, but you but you don't. Or I you don't, don't need to on gigs, right? I you don't know? need to on gigs. When, you know, if I, I want to, as much as I can, I want to respect the gig. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've gone to the point where um, just really, really trying to respect the gig is very, very important to me and number one to me. So that's what I'm mainly on with as far as that is concerned. Um, but no, I don't. I mean, I have, I've, 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 I can play it, but I just don't. Most times I just don't want to. Right. Because it, it, it doesn't call for that. Sure. Let me yeah. ask you a question on both sides of the coin. One, mm-hmm. is it worth is it worth learning all of that stuff? Is it worth learning chops and all that kind of stuff? Right. And the other mm-hmm. side of the coin is in this day and age, is it important to learn all those styles? It's important to learn styles to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I preach styles all the time. Like right. if you want to become, uh, you know, the next Dave Wuckle and Vinny and, 
uh, Teddy Campbell and all these guys, you got to learn to play styles, mm-hmm. you know, and learn how to play them as authentic as you can. Um, and that's to me, that's more that's more important than sitting around just playing a bunch of chops, because sitting around playing a bunch of chops, you may not know how to develop a groove. You may not know how to you miss a lot of key elements of things that you really need in the real world mm-hmm. as opposed to just chopping all day. Right. Yeah. So what about the the other side of learning ch- like do you think it's do you think it's pointless to learn all that stuff? No. no. I think it's I think I think it's good, but just as much time as you spend on that, spend on groove. Just as much time as you spend on groove, spend on you know, learning uh, uh, Latin Latin rhythms. You know, yeah, but that stuff's things. not fun, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, <laughs> I I get it, man, you know, but it's like it it's hard. It's you know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to sit there and and play a swing pattern for an hour, you know, man. But that's that's what the greats do. Of course, that's what the greats did. You know, you, you know, you, you you can't deny certain guys man that are like really really great with playing you know swinging great greg, mm-hmm. greg hutchison is one of the greatest swingers period yeah you know and that's all because he spent hours and hours doing what he did to perfect what he has yeah so you know so i'm you know i'm a fan of that i'm a fan of that i'm a fan of of placement mm-hmm. and and being musical that's very important to me do you know justin faulkner uh, I don't know Justin Faulkner, but I know plays, of Justin Faulkner. Yeah. Okay. So he plays for, with uh Branford Marsalis, and yeah, and we were talking, and I said, "What? Like, what's the goal now? You know, like, what are you working on now?" He said, "Man, I'm just trying to get my ride symbol to sound good. You know, like that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." I said, "What? That's you know, but but that it's the truth." He's like, "Man, I'm just trying to. I just he's like, it's just not there. It's just not there yet." And I'm like, yeah, man, man. He, and he's an amazing player, you know. And he's like, man, I'm just trying to get it. I just want that. I just want it to sound good. And you know, he'll 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 never be satisfied. He'll never get there, right? He'll right. never get, and that's the way to stay forever, a student yeah. to that. You know, um, yeah, it's you know, and and let me say this too. Also, um, when I was coming up, because I didn't know how to play jazz for real, but I got I learned with my friends that were jazz drummers. And they are like out in the world doing great things. One of them is the uh, Emmanuel Harrell that mm-hmm. plays with uh, 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 Gregory Porter. And the other one, uh, which was one of my great friends that I really uh, took a lot of knowledge as far as jazz was concerned. He was he was jazz. I was like funk type thing. So we kind of learned from each other. And his name was Thomas Crane, Tommy Crane. They called him uh, Harry Potter in New York. But he was crazy with swinging, man, you know, and, you know, he would always have the latest whatever drummer. You know, I learned I learned about a lot of drummers with him. I learned about Eric Harlan. I learned about Jeff Tane Watts. I learned about Billy Kilson and all these different guys, man. They were just killing, you know, just just it was a whole nother side of music that I had never explored. And it opened me up just as much Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, man. Why do you think we're willing to spend time, like spend hours and hours and hours working on, you know, working out some crazy chop, but not willing to spend hours and hours, you know, playing at a metronome at 60 BPMs, and then at 61, and then at 62, then at 63? You know, why? Why do you think that is? I, I spend I spend hours with the metronome, bro. 
Oh no no no! I'm not saying you. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying no, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no to me because I started at 36 and work up. I'm 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 a you know I, I've I've come from guys who are uh, really 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 crazy with the metronome. One guy from my hometown, Rob Woody, amazing. Like his timing is impeccable. I've never seen anyone who can like leave you in time just just period just just his his whole aura of playing it is just crazy but i i spend just as much time with that as i do learning this other stuff because my first job is playing time period Mm -hmm. you know we can we can we can we you know i can play i can play all these different things and stuff but if i have horrible timing man that's that's I'm not, doing, I'm, I'm not doing my job as a drummer. Right. But I will say in, in reference to what you're saying, uh, a lot of guys do spend more time on style styles and and um, and uh, chops and different things. But and what I meant to, just to 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 qualify that question is what I meant by that is it's not that people aren't putting in the time to practice. They're just right. putting in the time to practice things that maybe they don't need to. So it's not like it's not like they can't handle the hard work and the discipline and the time dedication that it takes. But they it's seemingly, I don't want to say everybody, but seemingly people are like, mm, I'd rather just play chops and and not work on my swing or my groove or whatever. Yeah. Well, I would say don't ever think about having a career in music, you know, if mm-hmm. if that's if that's going to be just the thing that you do. Then let that be just the thing that you do. But as far as like your phone ringing, people calling you, requesting you, wanting you to do gigs, wanting you to do, that won't happen if that's the only thing that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's more to this game than that. And the the main the main essential thing, especially when it comes to playing music, is having discipline. And if you can't discipline yourself, you know you, you're gonna lose out quick. Yep, I I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, I want to talk about your your technique. I want to specifically the open hand stuff. I actually just had Klaus Hessler on here. We were talking about the open hand technique, uh, and so what? How did that start for you? Did you always play that way? What was the reasoning behind it? Going back to my guy from my city, Rob Woody. He was he's left handed, mm-hmm. and I seen how amazing it was for him to uh, have full. Like it's crazy. He was able to still keep the groove with his left hand and just kind of comp with his with his with his right hand just to, you know though it's like the whole world was open up for him right on a drum kit he was not um bound and so for me i'm like man i like that i want to do that so ever since i was about 11 years old i've been playing left-handed i taught myself to play left-handed so was was rob playing left-handed on a right-handed kit too he was playing left-handed on the right hand on the right hand kit. Yeah, he was okay, just okay. the right. The right symbol was on the left. Okay, you know, and the crashes and everything was on you know the right. Or he may he may have had one on the left, but the, for the most part, his right symbol was always to the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
there's something about that, about the, the opening up of the playing. When I first started, I was listening to a lot of Carter Beaufort from Dave Matthews mm-hmm. band and he played open handed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. looking back, I'm thinking, man, maybe I, I should have kept playing open handed because <laughs> yeah. the, the possibilities are endless, man. It's such, yes. it's such an open, it's such an open thing. Do you recommend that people at least try to explore that a little bit and see if they can open themselves up? It, it, I do. And I, and really technically, man, it's, it has nothing to do with your hands. It's re it's reprogramming your brain. Right. It's it's just a brain test. Mm-hmm. And so if you can if you can reprogram your brain from what you're normally doing with the right hand being dominant as opposed to the left hand being dominant, then you're winning. Mm-hmm. It's just that. It's literally just that. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. It's it's very tough. Yeah, you know, all that all that <laughs> muscle memory for years, especially at uh, my age. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to <laughs> go. You know, but so but it's cool because Either way, I mean, I can play left or I can play right-handed. Right. You know, with no problem. That's where you want to get. That's the key is getting yeah. to where you can play either way. You're right. Either way, you want to put. You can play left-handed. You can play right-handed, and it's 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 not a it's not a strain. Mm-hmm. It's not like oh my god, I gotta figure out. Okay, uh, oh, yeah, am, I, am I gonna start this 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 five-stroke roll with the? No, you ain't got to do none of that. You can just switch up at any time. Yeah. And so, especially when I'm teaching. Um, in uh, China and different places and all the drummers are right-handed and I had to switch up and play right-handed for that, for those particular moments. But man, I love it. I love playing left-handed. There's something about the, if you're open and you're playing the ride on the left, like there's something about having the ride and the hi hat right (sighs) next to each other Uh and playing open-handed. There's, yes, there are so many possibilities there. One of my favorite drummers is Will Kennedy. Mm Hmm. And I love what Will does with, with you know, playing open-handed. It's amazing what yeah. he does with that, man. So, yes, I must agree. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, almost what over 20 years later, I'm still open. I'm still playing open-handed. And I'm still learning more and more and more with this, you know, with playing open-handed. But it's something that I conform to that I'll never change, man. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, there's, I mean, there's, there's you, obviously there's Will Kennedy, Klaus Hessler, who I just had on Carter Beaufort, Mm -hmm. um, Billy Cobham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, those, if you want to check out some, some open-handed playing, that's a short list of of guys to check out and you can start, start working on some (laughs) of the stuff they're doing. And that's a great list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great list of guys, man. That that should keep you, that should keep you busy for the next 30 years. (laughs) Oh, for more than that. (laughs) Shoot. But no, it's, 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 I love that. I love being able to um, just kind of do that, man. It's amazing. Did you know that DW Drums did not start as a drum company? They didn't even start as a manufacturing company. They actually started as a teaching studio by Don Lombardi in the 70s. And from there, it evolved into a drum company. And the interesting thing is you can trace their whole entire timeline from their start in Los Angeles in the 70s by going to their website. Check out dwdrums.com to get a better idea of really where this company has started and how they turned into the drummer's choice. Check them out by going to dwdrums.com. You may sit in the back of the stage, but the band revolves around you. You set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans drum heads with level 360 technology. It'll give you the most consistent fit for every drum with max tunability. And thanks to level 360 technology, these heads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find your sweet spot. 
You can also go way beyond normal tuning ranges with higher highs and lower lows. Learn more about Evans 360 by going to diadario.com. Now more with my man, Dre Energy. I want to talk about the Cirque gig. I want to talk about how how that whole thing came about and, and really just get some some details about it because it's a to me it's a really, I think, interesting gig. I'm guessing it's a challenging gig, demanding gig. Um, how did the whole thing come about for you? Okay, so this is the this is the deal. I uh, let me let me give a shout out to my wonderful wife Gwendolyn Boyd, uh, who was with me in this struggle when I started the whole Cirque thing. Um, Cirque came at a time for me when I had no gigs. When I say I had no gigs, I had no gigs at all. Like my gigs that I was doing, I was doing like, I don't know, like somewhere like around 12 gigs a week. Mm-hmm. My 12 gigs went from 12 gigs to zero gigs. And so Cirque sent me this, you know, I, I just took a shot in the dark and just filled out the application. And they sent me a request for an audition. And so I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to get it. No way. So. Let me just go on and just give them something. So we recorded me playing in my basement at the time on my razor phone, <laughs> my razor phone. And that was and I'm like, here, just send that. Well, we'll see what happens. They sent me a request to come to New York and do an audition. Really? Yes. With the razor phone. Wow. So for all you guys that feel like you got to go and get like five angles and you know, you got to have a whole camera crew. I did my audition with a razor phone and That's got a call insane. back. So, like, so we did that. My wife took our, our bank account and put it in a negative, like six or $700 before plane tickets. And so I went to New York and we walked around New York for three days with no hotel room with $60. What? Where'd you stay? I stayed at LaGuardia Airport. Really? I stayed at LaGuardia Airport, man. It was it was a really rough time in my life. And um, money was very, very scarce. But I stayed at LaGuardia. And I was still determined to still do the audition, no matter what it looked like, no matter if I didn't have money, no matter what. I was still determined. My faith was still determined to say, hey, well, listen, I'm still going to do this. So we stayed in LaGuardia, you know, we stayed with some of the homeless people in in LaGuardia. And, you know, it was crazy because, you know, you have a lot of weirdos, man. It was this guy. He was like a he was like a big football player and he would like polish his toenails late at night. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, this is kind of weird. But um, we got to the day of the audition and we were tired because, like I said, we had walked around New York with our luggage for three days, pretty much. And it was my first time being in New York and as well as my wife's. So we got the SIR and, um, you know, I was the last audition of the day and for the three days that Cirque was there. And I was the best audition that Cirque had had in New York that whole time. Nice. And, you know, there's a lot. They they, they, they put you on this list when you audition. And it's a, it's a list that there's thousands of guys on. I got a call to come play Kidam, I think about three months, three or four months after I had done the audition, as opposed to guys that have 
you know, been on it for 10 years, have never gotten a call. Mm-hmm. I got a call in three months. We come play uh, Kidam, and I I did it. And, what is that? Uh, What's that? That was the name of the show. Okay. Okay. It was Cirque du Soleil Kidam. Kidam. Okay. Yeah, and so I did it, and like I told you before, I was, I'm gonna be tr- I'm gonna be 100 transparent, and so I, I did it, and the music my music director Jim Bevan um, sent me the show DVDs a year before I was supposed to go and join join the tour and so you know you know i'm like i'm uh i'm i'm like just kind of like taking my time and just you know not really putting time into it and not studying so a year that i'm supposed to study all these different show versions i waited a week before before it was time for me to leave (laughs) i was i was caught up in the whole hype of yeah, man, I got a cert gig, man. You know, cert, cert think I'm good enough to come play with them. I was caught up into that, but I didn't do the homework. And because I didn't do the homework, I was literally inches from being sent home and not ever doing the gig, period. Really? Because I didn't do the homework. I didn't do the homework, man. I didn't study. Did they have a talk with you? They had a talk with me and it got down to me going to my hotel room, shutting the door for four days while I was in Montreal and learning the show for four days. Came out, played the show, because I had played the show before and it was a disaster. So so I went in. What did I, what did they all, what did he, what did the music director say to you? He's like he was gonna send me home. He was telling everybody he was gonna send me home. He's gonna send me home. Man. I mean like was, what what exactly did he say to you? <laughs> was he like, he hey told, man, you gotta get your stuff like I, I'm curious. Oh he's like, hey man, you gotta get your shit together. Yeah, literally, you know, you got to get your shit together, man. If you want to stay on this gig, you got to do the homework, man. You got to do the homework. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm the band leader, but I'm looking for you to lead the band. Mm. And I'm like, wow. okay. And I didn't know how much of a big machine it was until I actually got there. Like, oh, my God, I got to I got to play for this. This is crazy, man. This is a this is insane. Right. But. Um, I, I went and studied for four days, uh, got myself together, came back and played the show and aced it. Now, the other part of this is, um, I should, I should have done my homework. I should have done my homework, but I ended up transforming a lot of the show to doing, you know, to like, there, there are some things with the show that had never been done. So if someone was flipping, if someone was kicking, if they were doing a split, I was accenting all of that. That's something that I brought to the show, as well as being able to play my chops in a musical fashion and not necessarily take away from the show. Mm-hmm. And so my music director, before we ended the show, the show ended um, in New Zealand, uh, February the 21st of 2016, coming up on almost two years. And he told me, he said, hey, man, listen, I have to tell you that you're the best. You're the best drummer to have ever played this show. Wow, that's a compliment. Yeah, so he's like, you know, I've, you know, I, he's like, I've been here for a long time. I've been here for fi- about fifteen years, and you, undoubtedly, are the, you're, you're the best drummer to have ever played this show, and the things that you brought to the show was amazing. That was a compliment. Yeah, that's got going, 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 going from, going from, I'm ready to send you home to being the best drummer to play, have played this show. 
Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. So I want to rewind a little bit. When so when you're when you're going to New York, mm-hmm. you're saying your your bank account's in the negative. Mm-hmm. You're you know you don't have a place to stay. You got sixty bucks in your pocket. Yep. One. What what's your wife say at that point? Is she my wife? She's one hundred percent supportive. Yeah. She's one. She was she was she was pushing me to go do it. Hmm. She was all in. You know. That's good. Um, because. You know, one of one of the greatest things that she says is that she could see the great the greatness in who I was when she met me. And I wasn't necessarily there yet. I was still a local guy. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't there. But she could see that there was much more potential uh into what I was doing or what I where I was headed, which is this which is which is the uh role of a spouse, which is the role of a help me mm-hmm. to push you in areas that you can't push yourself. Mm-hmm. And she did that, and mm-hmm. I, I'm forever grateful for that because she did it. And I'm here. Uh, well, I'm I'm here. I'm here mainly because of the strength of my wife and my mother. My mother is is very strong in uh, you know my career, and as well as strong in my in, in pushing me faith wise because my mom was my pastor. But my wife has was was really the one who really pushed me to go and do greater things in music. There's a saying, I, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of sometimes you need someone else to see the potential in you before you can actually see it yourself. All day long. you know, All day long, man. All day long. And so with that being said, it, it just, it, 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 I'm here because of it. Did you ever I think mean, about giving up? Um, no. No. No, I'm 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 the guy that once I get in it, I'm in it. I'm gonna figure out how to stay in it. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna figure out how to stay in it. It's it's not. I'm I've never I've never been the guy the the um, quitter. Yeah. I've never been that dude. I quit one thing in my life in sixth grade. It was the volleyball team, and I'm still pissed off about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've I've I have quit some things, <laughs> and I have and and certain things I've quit. I've, I, I would never go back. I'll never play the violin again. Right. You know, that's just not what I do. But um, but other things, man, you know, with the whole musical thing and, you know, a lot of things came out of me playing with Cirque. Cirque was the door to for the opening of everything to kind of transpire. So doing that and being, you know, um, uh, voted as one of the best top 10 new drummers in 2015 with uh, Rhythm Magazine. All that came from just kind of just one, taking one step with Cirque, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. It's amazing how one thing is a is a pivotal moment and you start doing this thing, you do this other thing. And and I think, I think a lot of people think that everything just sort of falls in your lap all at once. And, and it's, it's a bunch of tiny little steps that, oh, well, how did this happen? Well, this thing led to this. And then I talked to this guy and he let me turn me on to this person. And then this thing happened. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's 3,650 days to be an overnight success. It is, man. It is. And it's, it's you know, and and, I, and let me, let me go back a little for, uh, further. I got into, I, now I did, I did hold some regular jobs, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, while I was in high school, you know, I had to do the, I did the uh, co-op thing where you had to go to work half of a day and be in school half of a day. And so my job was, I was working at Sears. 
in the women's shoe department. Nice. <laughs> so you know, I was I was selling the I love comforts and all that other <laughs> <Nice>. stuff, man. <laughs> to women all day, but that you know was when cool. I saw you, I was like, he looks like a drummer or a shoe salesman. Yeah, man, no, probably kidding. probably not. But uh, <laughs> no, but that was one of the coolest things too. And then I went from there to working for uh, the May Company uh, uh, Collections. And my boss uh, pulled me to the side one day and said, hey, man, listen, uh, you know, you're on our phones booking gigs and stuff like that. Maybe that's what you need to do. So we're going to let you go. And so from that day on, I've never I've never turned back and done anything like I've never done a, a real nine to five ever again. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so now I know, I mean, I know that you do a lot of clinics all over the world and I'm, I'm guessing some of that stem from stem from Cirque and the connections that you have with Cirque plus the, plus you can use that as leverage to, to, you know, go out there and do some clinics. There's a ton of people who do clinics. What makes your clinic different and what, what's your, what's your philosophy behind your clinics? Because you don't seem like the type of dude who goes out there and just plays a bunch of chops and says, okay, have a good night and walks away. No. And let me say this, Cirque had nothing to do with any of the clinics that I've done. Only only thing is I was in a I was in the place of being, you know, if if we were in Poland and someone seen that I was in Poland, they'll say, Oh well, hey man, can you come do a clinic? You know? Right. So right. but Cirque Cirque really, really tried to stay separate from that as mm-hmm. much as possible. Um but in my clinics, man, my clinics especially in China, man, it's it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I do this rhythm test. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I play my chops and stuff like that. I, I, I answer a bunch of a bunch of questions. But in China, I do a rhythm test and I'll play. I'll literally play Bruno Mars or something just to see what they'll do. What What is their first reaction once they hear the music? And it lets me know, wow, are they are they rhythmically dead or are they, you know, or what is this? You know, I ask the question, once you hear this, what does this make you do? What does this make you do? How do what, how do you feel? How do you feel once you once you hear this music? And some of them say, well, it makes me want to move, and and then I, I I all of a sudden I feel this thing. I guess it's the groove. That's my that's that's what I'm really trying to push you in. Is feel is understanding and identifying groove when you hear it. And so you know, so we'll play the whole Bruno Mars thing, man, and they'll. They'll be dancing all crazy and doing all this weird stuff, man. But it's 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 just a test to make you understand and feel groove. You know, if you if you feel if it feels good, then dance, move. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. you don't have to stay constricted. So, uh, so those that's one of the things that I do, um, as well as you know, a guy uh, come up and say, "Hey, man," um, um, or he'll ask a question. Someone asks a question. Hey, what is that uh, thing that, you know, that you were doing or or, you know, I know how to do it, but I know how to do it a different way. But possibly you can show me blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, maybe you can show me. So come up and play it. Right. And they'll be scared. They'll be like, oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. Come on up. Come on up and play it. <laughs> you said it. So come on up and play it. You right. Know? Right. But I, one, one thing that I really try to do is uh, try to get into them, try to get into especially when it's students or Young kids, man, I really, really try to uh, leave them with a seed. I, I try to plant a seed of, you know, uh, if you're going to do this, really do it. You know, 
Don't half don't half step it. If you're gonna do music, really do music. Whatever 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 that is for you. Everybody's path is not the same way. So do music because a lot of times, man, you know, I have people that come to my clinics and they're not drummers, but they want to hear about how to make it, how to how to make it when I get out of college. What do how do I how do I network? Who do I call? Who how can I get uh, uh, endorsements or sponsorships and, and different things like that? In which, for me, uh, I think the whole endorsement thing is out of control. So my my first my first thing is always not to necessarily pursue uh, an endorsement, but let the endorsement pursue you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. Well, you're, when you say out of control, you mean that everyone is either a always seeking endorsements or two, like everyone is just like, Oh, I'm endorsed by this company. I'm endorsed by this company. And you know, everyone has endorsements and they don't really mean anything. They don't, they really don't mean anything. They, they don't make you play better. No, they don't get you gigs. They don't get you gigs, you know? And, and when it's all said and done for the younger audiences, it's most times just a bragging, right? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I'm endorsed by, I'm endorsed by uh, XYZ symbols. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, XYZ symbols? Who in the heck are they? Right. You know, but the fact that just the being able to say you belong to something is the key. And, you know, but it's it's not it's not really worth it. An endorsement is not really worth anything to you if all you're doing is playing local gigs. Right. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. If you're playing, if you're only playing locally, you're not any benefit to the company per se. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I, I really try to kind of preach that to them, you know, like don't pursue it and don't, you know, don't just start, you know, I have a lot of drummers that say, oh man, I only just play Zildjian cymbals, man. Why? Why do you only just play Zildjian cymbals? You're not even signed to Zildjian. Right, right. Why don't you play? I mean, in order for you to understand exactly what you want to do musically, play the rainbow, play everything, play, make sure you have Istanbul, Sabian, Zildjian, Paiste, everything on your kit, because it, it you know what I'm saying? It, it, huh? it opens you up musically. They're not going to say, Zildjian is not going to say, oh, well, you know, you're playing strictly Zildjian, so we're going to definitely sign you. Right. If they really, if they really want to sign you, they don't care what you're playing. Right. Well, it's or it's the, the other, you know, the other side of the coin, I always say, play what you love. So like, you know, right. a lot of people. Oh, I got I'm endorsed by X Y Z symbols. Oh, that's cool. Do you do you love their symbols? Well, no. no. I, I mean, but no. But they're gonna give me an endorsement. Yeah. Okay. But are they gonna are they gonna add to your sound? Do they? No. Do you even want it? Would you play those if they weren't giving you an endorsement? No. But they're giving me an endorsement. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 it it just becomes literally a bragging right. Right. That's it. Yep. That's it, man. So. I'm 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 the cat that says, man, play the rainbow, have fun, play it all, because you know at this point in in your career, before you have an endorsement, you want to explore all your options and explore what it is that make you sound great. Right, and like you, you know? said, if you're playing locally, you don't you don't need it. They don't need you. But when you're on the road, it's different because you need to. If especially if you're going abroad, you need retailers or you know you need backline companies that have your gear. It's a whole man, thing. man. It's it's, it's important. It was important for me to have a Vic Firth drumstick endorsement because I went through a lot of drumsticks with Cirque. Right. You know, it was important for me to have a Sabian symbol endorsement because I went through a lot of symbols with Sabian, you know, just in general. So it, 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 it served as a benefit 
for me to be able to have the things that I needed when I needed them, especially if I'm in a different country, you know, and uh, I needed a symbol right on the spot. You know, I call up Sabian. Sabian says, oh, yeah, we have a distributor in the area. We'll have a symbol out to you tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. That's it's 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 for that benefit. It's not for the benefit of you taking pictures and saying, "Hey, man, yeah, man, look what I got, man." Right, bro. I got I got a whole I got a whole new set of savings, man. So what? Who exactly. cares? I just talked to a buddy of mine. Same deal. Uh, left a smaller company to go with a bigger company, and he was like, "I actually love the smaller company." But I'm in Europe a lot. I'm in Asia a lot. And the small company doesn't have any distribution over there. So if I break, you know, this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment, I can't get it. And I can't wait five days for them to ship it to me. So that, you know, know, and that's the only reason. So and I, you know, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. That was one of the reasons why I had to kind of stop playing uh, UFIP. Because I really couldn't get the things that I needed on time, right. you know. Right. It would take like two or three weeks, or sometimes two months, in mm-hmm. order to get a symbol replacement. And I'm playing ten shows a week. Right. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so it, you know, you want to, you want to get with, especially if it's a company that's pursuing you. Um, you want to get with a company that definitely is global. You know, every everywhere. You know, it's 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 a it's it's a company. No matter where you go in the world. I can get a replacement symbol quick. Right, right. So that that's that's my thing. I get it. You know, I preach I preach the same thing. I'm like, people are like Nick, how can I get? I'm like, why do you, you just don't need one? It just it just bugs me. It's it, <laughs> it's not really needed, man. Just right. Go if man, if you're saying, hey, man, I'm on the road all the time. I need an endorsement because I need gear and I can't get it. But okay, that's a legitimate. How do I get endorsement thing? You know, like right. the, the guitar player hiring you doesn't give a shit whether you, you know, whether you exclusively play, you know, Vic Firth drumsticks or not. <laughs> no. Right. Like, can, can you play? Okay. You're right. Hired. Right. right. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you play with broomstick handles or broom right. handles. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> Just play the gig. Right. That's all you need. Yeah, man. So, uh, but no, it's all good. So what do you got going on now? Well, now, um, I'm really glad to, and this is something I was preaching this morning. I'm really glad to have made investments and uh, really get into the more so business side of things. Uh, it's cool to go do gigs. It's, it's cool to go do tours. But um, if you're not getting royalties or a part of the actual act and you're just uh, uh, a hired gun, a hired gun, you know, it. it I mean, come on, you know, we got to find another tour as soon as this tour finishes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not really technically want to be in that rat race. And so I'm just kind of more so getting into the investments and the inventions. And like now, uh, my practice pad in China has sold out for the third time. Nice. And so, you know, you want to you want to get something that's kind of making you money while you sleep Mm -hmm. is what I'm is what I'm teaching at this point. So between that. Uh, doing clinics. I'm, I'm in China most of the time now. China is one of my biggest markets now with over 600,000 fans in China now Wow! Um, and, and growing. Uh, China is one of my biggest markets. I'm planning to go to uh, Brazil in uh, March to do some clinics and uh, just kind of just doing my thing, man. Just kind of doing that and just I have a really, really, really crazy drum invention that I'm going to uh, bring out next year. 
and it's going to change drums, period. I promise you. Now I'm interested. Yeah, it's going to change drums. It's going to 100% change drums. I guarantee it will change every drummer. I guarantee you. I'm interested. I guess you can't yeah. talk about it, though, huh? <laughs> I, I, not on not on this line. Right, we right. hang up, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, the it's an interesting concept of of going out doing it and then saying, you know, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I necessarily want to do that. That's actually, and the listeners have heard me say this before. That's the reason why I started Drummers Resource was because I was touring. I was playing, you know, 150, 200 dates a year. Mm-hmm. and for years it was my band and i owned it which was great but then that band dismembered and i was just a hired gun and you know after a while it's like i you know i want to i want to be able to pick up the phone and they say hey here we need you to go on tour and i say okay what are the details and if i don't like them i can say no right. and to put yourself in that situation you have to be making money some in some other area you have to be you know invested yeah. into businesses or you got to do something and for me, I'm like, man, if I can, if I can do this, what you and I are doing right now, I can still play and I can turn down tours so I can hang out with my wife. I'm like, I'm cool. Right. With that, you know, man, dude, like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the shoes. I also have a signature drum shoe. I'm kind of, and so between the shoes and the practice pads, they're both for selling. Nice. And so I'm really, really glad, you know, cause my bank, I, I get up and my bank account has wonderful money in it. Right. And that's just something that just works for you overnight. Mm -hmm. So um, so I'm really glad for that. Um, I just I just want to kind of more so uh, uh, contribute to music rather than just taking away from music all the time. So I don't really necessarily want to depend on a tour to pay my pay my bills anymore. I Mm -hmm. just don't. If It's something that I wanted. I want the tour to be something that I just want to do and enjoy. You know, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So, right. so that's where I met with that man. So with all of that, I'd I'd like to just put a, a one footnote on that on what we were just talking about. That that's what you and I have decided. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that everyone has to do that. They don't. You know they what I mean? Not. There's no they one don't. size fits all kind of thing. If you're like, hey man, I want to be on a tour bus for the rest of my life, then you should go do that. Or you yeah. should, I you know, I. I think what happens is a lot of times we as humans listen to what other people did and think that's the path that I have to go down. And I don't think that's the case. I think that you should do exactly what makes you happy and you should do the things that are right for you. Stay true to that and don't try to be like everyone else. I agree. Uh, I'm I'm always into the guys that are more so original and and their originality is – off the scale because it's just it's 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 so hard to be someone else man it's so hard to try to you know do something like someone else i always say that i've never seen a clone become great right never right. and so you know so i i'm i'm always into the guys that, that I, I tell especially young drummers i say you know don't worry about what your drum set looks like or don't worry about the fact that you have a ride symbol that's all the way up to the sky if it's comfortable for you play it Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I I love I love what Chris Dave does. You know right. I love the fact that he's you know ventured out and done all this stuff with all these different snares and stuff like that. That's but that but necessarily that's that's what works for him. Look at Daru. You know I mean? Right, right. You know his point. kit's all crazy and you know. right, right. Him, Garrett Goodwin, all these guys that, that yeah, works Garrett, for, same way. yeah works for works for them. It don't work for me. 
but it works for them. And right. I can appreciate them being original and doing what they do. Right. I heard uh, Don Lombardi from DW said, uh, he said, Daru's kit looks like, he was like back in the day when you got the JC Penny catalog and the drums were in it and they didn't know how to set up the drums and they were just all crazy looking. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks That's like. That's exactly what it looks like. And he's like, but he goes, I don't know how he plays it like that. He goes, but he plays it like that and yeah. it, it, it sounds great. And yeah. And the cool yeah. thing about it now, it's like that's his signature. That's his signature. You know, that's and what like, he does. I mean, who's going to argue about how how well Daru sounds? You know what I mean? No, no, no. And 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 um, amongst everything else, I can respect it because it's his thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't work so for me. Works works great for him. It works great for him, and it's going to continue to work great for him. Yep. So, and I can read. Like I said, I can respect it. I really can. One hundred percent. So yeah. if, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way that they can do it? If they want to connect with me, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm constantly on Instagram. So I'm at Dre Energy, D-R-E-E-N-E-R-G-Y. Or you can find me on Facebook, uh, backslash fa- uh, Dre Energy, uh, D-R-E-E-N-E-R-G-Y, same thing. Or if you really just want to just connect with me on a personal level, you can contact me via email at Dre at DreEnergy.net. Dre at DreEnergy.net. That's it. And there you have it. Yeah, Easy man. enough. Yeah, man. Dre, uh, I want to I thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate those tons of great info in here for the listeners. But I also want to congratulate you for all of the the dedication and the never say die attitude that you have and and looking back at how far you've come that is something to be proud of and i know that you don't need to hear it from me but i want to tell you anyway that the things that you've achieved and you've accomplished are were no small feat man and i want to congratulate you for that well i appreciate it man i'm like i said i'm forever a student and i'm still trying to climb this 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 crazy ladder but I'll never turn back. I'll never do anything else but this. So I'm I'm dedicated to it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Dre, yeah. thank you again, man. I do appreciate it and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. You too, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Bye-bye. All right, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you dug that. And tell me that story about him going to New York and getting that gig was not inspiring, to say the least. And speaking of rap, uh, you can get the That's a Rap email. It comes out every Friday. Or you can get the Nick's Monday Mix email. Actually, you can get them both. All you have to do is sign up for the mailing list. And when you do that, you get an ebook called Stick Control Variations, which I don't know how much longer that Stick Control Variations is going to be around. So if you want to grab it, you can just go to the website, sign up for the mailing list. I'll give you the ebook for free, but plus you'll get an email every Monday and every Friday so you don't miss out on any content. Also, if you are on the socials, check out Drummer's Resource on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Follow along, chime in, and join the conversation. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. I love you, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.